Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Paula Price Show, where you can experience scripturally organic, culturally unmodified teaching, get answers to your questions, and receive powerful prayer from your host, Dr. Paula Price, author of the Prophet's Dictionary. Tune in now and get ready for an exciting time of encouragement and transformation. Welcome your host, Dr. Paula Price. only have the general herself, the one and only Dr. Paula A. Price, but we have our chief prophet, Paula Price, and our newly relocated assistant chief prophet, Angela Powers. You see, I still feel like I end up saying it like that because your last name is Powers. You say it powerfully. And so our panel is set up today. Dr. Price has a great topic lined up for us. And uh, I think, are you ready to roll in, Dr. Price? Almost. Almost. Okay. I'll keep talking then. In case you don't know, we have a church here in Tulsa, Oklahoma, called the Congregation of the Mighty. Technically, it is in Bixby, Oklahoma. Uh, And so you can join us Sundays online. We go live around 1045-ish. But the service starts at 10 a.m. here in Tulsa, Central Standard Time, live in the sanctuary with praise and worship. We have Sunday school at 8 a.m. If you're watching online, you can join us, the Congregation of the Mighty, uh, 10 a.m. Sunday school. This cycle of teaching is Prophet Angela Powers. The last one was Prophet Tamira Alexander. And what we do in Sunday school is we take the message and break it down. So if you're somebody who is saying, who's breaking down this message? We are. Who else should break it down? And you can tune into Sunday School at 8 a.m. You go to right here, the Apostle Paula Price Facebook page or YouTube, whichever one you're watching from in this very moment, and you can get caught up, get stayed up, get prayed up, get shored up with us at the Congregation of the Mighty. People, I think, always want to know, do you have a church, Dr. Price? But do you have a church? Yes. There are people crazy enough, wild enough, fed up enough with the old to come and sit in church. We have people driving in from Texas to come on Sundays to the Congregation of the Mighty, coming in from Missouri, coming from Kansas. People are driving. First of all, they want to be free. Can we be free? And you can drive too. Hey, we have people driving from Dallas. So if you know this is a word where you want to come and sit under the anointing, and not just receive from online, come on in. Drive on in. Fly on in. I I highly recommend driving at this point. Just flying is so oppressive. But any way you need to get here, get here. And you can join us every Sunday from no matter where you live, online, or you can put the family in the car. We have people coming in from the Texas area with their three children, four children. It is a family affair. September, we are launching our Congregation of the Mighty Sunday School for our children second Sunday in September, so you can bring your kids, they can go to Sunday school while you are in Sunday school, adult Sunday school, and then we have a short break where you can get your snacks, and then we roll into Sunday service, and so we're super, super, super excited about everything that God is doing with us at the Congregation of the Mighty, where you are mighty because that's where God stands. We've taken this apocalyptic revelation and we are making it, we are embodying it. We're taking it in. 
It's not just sitting there saying, wow, it was a really good word, and moving on. And so we have the services, we have breakdowns, so we can take it in bite-sized pieces, big chunk pieces, and apply it to our everyday life. So it's not just, wow, there's such an amazing word that we don't know what to do with, because that is frustrating. <laughs> when you hear something really super, really amazing, and afterwards you're like, well, what did you learn? I don't know. Well, what can you do with it? I don't know, but it's really deep and it's really good. No, we are becoming something. When, when the scripture talks about being born again, when you're born again, you are born as something new, into something new. What? what? And it, so we take what's in the Word, take it off of the pages, put it into our everyday life, because how in the world can we do greater works if we don't even know how to do the first works? How did Jesus do that? How are we supposed to do that? We talk now all the time. We, we stopped at the question, what would Jesus do? Well, what, what did Jesus? Can we talk about what he actually did do and what we're supposed to be doing? In so many ways, it is so obvious, and in so many ways, it is not, largely because our culture tells us it's not obvious, not because the Lord ever said it wasn't. And so uh, today, we're, we're going to jump in addressing some very timely issue about the prophet. So I want you to share this broadcast. I want you to tag people. I want you to message them and say, hey, the author of the prophet's dictionary is going to discuss today some very, very essential revelation, insight, and direction about the office of the prophet, the gift versus the office, transitioning and all kinds of other things. Today is that day that you want to share this broadcast. Today is the day that you want to sound the alarm. You might want to text a few people and say, hey, it's about to go down here on the Jesus and Paula show because things are always fiery with Dr. Price. And then you turn up the flames by adding the prophets, and we're just going to go up. Like California right now on fire. All right. You got California on fire, you have the East Coast underwater. I mean, everything is just blowing up all over the place. God is shifting and resetting. He is still, he is still doing his own heart reset. Can you pass my phone to you real quick? I wanted to share with you as well, thank you, uh, something that I saw online, and it's about the state of our country and uh, what our president is doing, what he's been doing that we maybe didn't recognize that he was doing that's still happening behind the scenes. Because I hope I hope that a lot of us now have our eyes open enough to see the smoke screen that Satan is using all of this coronavirus as, a clear smoke screen. Let's see. Oh, I see. It's a Okay, great. And so I saw this post. One of my, uh, somebody I grew up with actually in Pennsylvania, his mom posted this on her Facebook, and I shared it with Dr. Price, and she wanted me to share this with you today. Uh, again, this is a smokescreen, and if you can't recognize that by now, then let us pray. <laughs> but there, there's a lot of mess that they, they, the powers that be, don't want us to know. There, there's a lot of legal things happening. They don't want to happen. Even the whole quarantine, shutting down the government, shutting all of that down. Now, who does that except somebody who wants to stop due process? Amen. And why? We got the amen fire in the room. Amen. Okay? <laughs> and why would you want to stop due process? That's the question. Why do you want to release criminals? 
Why do you want to release criminals at a time when there is a supposed pandemic, which statistically speaking, actually we're not in a pandemic because the death rate is too low, but we're still using all the same language. And so this is something that was posted in a private group on Facebook uh, called Maine Forum. And uh, my friend's mom who posted this lived in the state of Maine. And they're under, you know, amazing persecution from their governor as well, and things are going on. But in this private forum, this is what was posted about what's been going on behind the scenes with the president that is not making headline news. What they want you to believe is that nothing good is happening with this administration and that they're not doing anything, especially now that Biden has chosen a running mate. And, uh, and now they're all pushing forward with a liberal campaign for presidency. So these 10 things were listed in that private group that the president has done. Uh, it says President Donald Trump over the last week did the following, but you probably won't hear about it from the news. So I have not had a chance to look up each one of these statements individually. I'm putting that disclaimer out there. But the person who posted it does their homework. And so they said, uh, number one, make vaccines voluntary, not mandatory. Military will check purity and distribute vaccines. Number two, defunded WHO forever and wants an investigation into its operations. Because see, now the books will be open. This is the man that everybody did not want in office, and now we see why. Because do we really care how many ex-wives somebody has in the White House, as many scandals have gone on, sex scandals in the White House in all the years of the president? Is that really an issue anymore? No. All the other things, is that really an issue? We have had well-known, well-known, documented racist presidents over the years. This one is just on the wind of the media. So when we get to this point and see this kind of agenda, we find out why oh, this is why you wanted to remove this man from office. Number three, cancel the Democrats' H.R. 666 bill, known as the COVID-19 Trace Act, that was the basis for Bill Gates' diagnosis and tracking project, which was also canceled. Number four, cancel Bill Gates' project known as ID 2020. Because, again, Bill Gates is not a leader. He's an influencer. You actually have no position of power. You have friends in power. But you yourself do not, and we kept walking around thinking, but Bill Gates can't make law. What, what are you, you're the techie. You make computers and programs. Stay right there. All right. Five, open a complete platform to report censorship on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. It was overwhelmed with complaints, and they have the evidence. Six, executive order to reopen states. Governors who refuse to reopen will be sued. Well, we know here in Tulsa there's a lawsuit that's being launched against our mayor. So, come on, Jesus, push it all the way through. Number seven, executive order for the White House to take over all electrical grids, which will include Internet servers, broadcasting systems, electronic systems. Ah! I'm back. (laughs) Number eight, declares places of worship essential services. Some mayors are fining people for going to church. Number nine, applauded Australia and 116 countries for insisting on a China probe into the spread of COVID-19 despite several threats from China about refusing critical exports. Y'all, come on now. And number 10, arrested and dismantled sex human trafficking rings in several countries, which we know is the thing that they're trying to get us to forget about. Yes. 
Wow. And so that's the top ten that I caught wind of. Go, Go, Fred, go. Go, Fred, go. You know, go, Fred, go. It's, it, we have the Amen Choir here today. Everybody up here can sing and praise God. Everybody can sing and praise God. Everybody can sing and praise God. Oh, she needs a handout. And now we're shifting to, let me introduce properly here, our host, Dr. Paula Price. Oh, yeah, she's fired up today. And Paula show. Yes. Jesus Christ. Let us not forget his name. Let us not. It's the name above all names. And Paula Christ. Yes. And we make Team Supreme. Yes, yes we do. I am showing sure. up. I'm like, y'all going to treat this man right. <laughs> yes, they are. You watch. We're going we're gonna to talk about prophecy. But I'm going to tell everybody, go, friends, go. Because yes, yes. you know what? They, I don't care what a Democrat says. This man has been under heinous assault from nations. Yes. Not just his nation. From nations. And you know what? He's that, he's that kind of baller. I said, right, I'm going to hit the ringleader. I'm standing there with the ringleader. And he's getting it done. And he's getting it done despite all of the opposition. I don't think we've got a Democrat who could live to a bill. Bill. Yeah. yeah, Bill couldn't. That's why. Barack couldn't. No, he couldn't. Demo can. We just we're not even gonna say Democrat. We're gonna say Demo can. Demo can. Demo can't live through this and still produce. And still, let you guess I am. I'm a shit. Yes, I am. I'm going There's nobody like Jesus. I'm telling y'all, this man is God. And I'm telling you, Jesus picked the right man. I said, talk about Jesus picking. He, he walked this man's whole life to say, but when I need him, watch him deliver. And you know that sugar. I'm Jesus. Now, I'll tell you, the Democrats can't pick a winner. They can pick a winner. But I want you to understand, Jesus picks winners. Because you can't be God and lose. I got a bell. I'm back. Hold on. I got my fish. But I want you to think about that. We're, you know, and, and, and what's important is that Jesus did this years ago. Because if Jesus is only ahead of Satan, then he's not Omega. So I think we should talk about Alpha and Omega. So we are at the, this is my first day back. We get ready to get started. We are going to talk about Jesus and me. <laughs> and how he has raised me up to be what he needs. Amen. You know? I, I just one. Don't even worry about it. Just one. Just, just one. Uh, because we're going to have a conversation about the oldest ministry in the world. And I am calling today, for the sake of you all who want to know, our prophetic legacy. 
our prophetic legacy. Soon as we get this up, peaceful, Virginia. Mm-hmm. I, I even left your bell. Come on now. Oh, you did. Okay. Oh, you know, it's a little green, but I didn't want you to get too loud. You got to earn the team. <laughs> so you have to earn your team there. So you feel that? And she got started. Oh, Lord, who did this? <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. Who let that slide? Yeah. And, and she had planned it. See, I can't trust you. Yeah, but see, to you, you are like a real emphatic person. So most things are important. Which means we'll be having But we're going to get started today. I'm excited about being here. First of all, I want to thank every one of you for your prayers and your support and uh you know, I want to tell you what happened so that you understand that what you have known to be me will be no more. When God is ready to elevate me, and I think Apostle Hulk said it last week, mm-hmm. he's got to gut me. Because you'll mix the old with the new. New wine must be put in new wine skin. And that sounds so nice. And fun theologically. Doesn't <laughs> that sound good? Poetic. Real poetic. Very, very Elizabethan. Good. <laughs> but when you have to lay on your back for three days, why don't everything that you know to be you out? And he strips his strength from you. You realize that it was never you. Can we just say that? It was never you. Did you also realize that you run a course? And I have run a course, a course that I've been on for 35 years. And I would love to say that I didn't know it, but, you know, our God is frank. He's just blank, candid, frank. And so he said to me, um, I don't know, going back maybe about a month and a half ago, he says, I'm getting ready to switch everything about me. And I said, really? Because I was just kind of like this. <laughs> <laughs> I was just, you know, we were liking each other, violent, you know. And so he said, um, no, where I'm taking you, this can't go. And then, of course, he said prophets and um other messengers, my prophets, writing people, dreaming, you know, it's really a, a serious experience. And he said, I've got to empty this. And he said, you're going to tell them what it means when I say new wineskin. So, uh, for the last six months, I, I kept feeling like I was gone. And I was telling my team, pray for me, because uh, I can't find it. I could not find you. I told my intercessors, I told my team, I told my prophets, and, you know, thank God, when you got real prophets, they kind of know when it's the Lord. A couple of weeks before I hit crash point, 
Apostle Matthew said, oh, you're going to get so much power. You're going to be so different. You're going to have so much new stuff. If we had a prophet that visited the office, I blessed this young man, and he laid it out for me. And, of course, with the ear here, the heart doesn't always clear. And he told me, so much life is coming into me, so much power, so much change. Um, for where you're going, and that God is going to use you to do a new great. He gave a prophecy of it that I got when I first started 18 uh, years ago. And uh, 18, I was in like the, the 80s, so it was a lot more than that, but 80s. And he started telling me that, and I said, wow, I've been having vision. I've been having, I've seen myself everywhere, and didn't know why. And so I did not know that you can't carry the old into the new if you are the carrier. And so I am a carrier. I am, I've been the pioneer. I've been the groundbreaker. I've been the builder. I've been the, 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 the finer, refiner. And so I would assume I was, there, I was already do what. I, I, there was no reason for me to think that I was operating on old wine until he said to me, but you're using what I gave you when I summoned you to ministry. He said, and you emptied out. He said, that's why you don't feel like you're getting any more messages from me. Because you emptied out. You unloaded everything that I gave you under that dispensation. He said, but why, while you were doing that, the world was changing. The body of Christ was changing. Devils were grooming their kids. He said, and my kids had no room for what's going on. And so he takes me back to that is why I had to start the whole thing. So my journey as far as uh, winding up started out with um, the manifestation of the children of God. At that time, I didn't have sense enough to know it was a prophecy. And so we did a manifestation of the children of God. And then we moved into Soku. And, oh, we moved into the human divine. You're right, God. Manifesting your role in the Godhead. These are all steps that I didn't know I was laying down, trapped, huh? living God's kind of life. You can see they've been with me through the journey. And so we finally got to, he started pulling it together at Soku. And then he started to, to uh, uh, what I want to call geneticize it as pedigree. And then, huh? And then once we got there, it was critical mass. And I kept finding that he's talking about this nonstop. He said, so if you've given out all of that, what are we going to do? Rerun? Recycle? Rehash? Mm-hmm. He said, that's not you. You're not here for that. And so I said, okay, Jesus. <laughs> and so he started. So then that brings us up to the prophecy from this young man that only he could have known. I have another wonderful apostle in, uh, is he in this room? We don't know. Old Sage. And he said he has been literally 
refining my shift for the last year and a half. And he has been on it. There are things that God gave him to say that I would never have said, would have never told anyone. But nonetheless, I was done. I had hit the end of what I had to say. Whatever that last word was, that was it for that dispensation. And so now I come home from church and said, oh, my God, I'm dying. Little did I realize I was dying. <laughs> and I couldn't lift up my arm. I couldn't do anything. But I knew I wasn't physically sick. Right. I knew that. I knew my, my physical body was reacting, and it was traumatizing. And so I said to God, so what's the next? He said, you go down. He said, you go under. I said, oh. And my teeth will tell you, he was not mentioning words. And I could not come out of this transit. One, I wake up, go again. He opened up another chapter, opened up another book, opened up another world, opened up another heart, opened up another soul. And he said, when they ask you what I did, tell them I reinvented you, I renovated you, and I recalibrated you. And he said, you will sound different. You will think differently. He said, and that is why I handpicked those that are around you. Because any resistance, I will remove. Because that day is gone. As far as he's concerned, there's one opinion he wants running right now in this particular dispensation. Yeah. I just want one thought. I don't need anybody else's thought. I don't want to hear it. Don't, don't. Mm-hmm. He said, tell him, don't even come for it and ask me to change you. I just did. I'm not doing that again. We just hit a place of conversation, the Lord and I, where we've never been in all of the years that I've served God. I have never. As a matter of fact, he scared me because I've never had a day. Oh, excuse me, I'm going to say that I had one day where God didn't speak to me. One day. We wake up in the morning, we go at night, I sit, I hear, I listen, but I've never had this. I did not just receive a word, I became a word. I became the being of that word. And all heaven has told me, we do what you do. Now, you know, this is uncommon, and if you're non-apostolic and prophetic or not, you know, judicial or legitimate in thought, he said, that's not it. This is going to get on your nerves. I don't really care about your feedback. I hope it's nice, but I'm going to do this. Because you all, because if the only was pain, y'all really are not now. This version here is going to be something else. It's going to be something about it. <laughs> and so, you know, our church, bless God, did three things. We reached, we restarted, and a lot of this will happen to my church members in many forms. Many forms. I've been 
coaching and those who know have been praying. They've been seeing and praying. And so many of them will happen in many forms. The closer they are to work with me, the more intense it will be. The farther you are to work with me, the lighter it will be. But this year I finished that course and I ended it. And I'm now ready for the reason that I was born. Now it's hard to think that for 35 years I was born. Like, <laughs> but, you know, and so this is going to put quite a burden on my prophets and my apostles. There won't be a, this is how I see it, nobody cares. Whatever you saw, that's it. What you see is too new for you to have a signal on. So it doesn't matter. You either have heard from God or you didn't. If God handpicked you for this, you know exactly what's going on. And if he hasn't handpicked you, you're in the dark, and he wants it that way. We have not had a real, the real fullness of the apostle's mantle open for a long time. We've had mixture, we've had fusion, you know, we've had infusion, we've had uh, a lot. But I have a tough job to do. But not only that, Jesus has taken over the planet. And when he's taken over the planet, trust me, you think you know Jesus until you meet the man who created all of this. See, Jesus does not have to prove anything to me. He just shut it up. So Zachariah didn't want to listen that he was going to have a kid. That's all right, but we'll just shut you down. <laughs> we'll be silencing you right now. And so I needed to get that out so that you'll understand. Um, because oftentimes this happens to people in secret, and they just start manifesting. When, when the reactions are usually so naive and childish that they don't accept the fact that the person that they knew is gone. Instead, they're told that they're being cocky. They're told that they're being arrogant. They're told that they're showing off. They're told that they're being performance-driven, like some sort of enhancement drug or something. I don't know. But I want to tell you, I'm telling you in advance, because it's going to get real scary here on planet Earth. And it's going to be very, very um, turbulent because God is calling his sheep out to save his mouth. And he is telling him, I've seen them. They met. And Jesus said, give me the children. Give me my family. I'm telling you, I've seen them. And you know what I saw? Him stomping and spinning like a brat. Now, he may play with the natural side in the natural world, and if you don't, if you make the natural your um, criteria, he's going to punk you out. <laughs> but there are those that God is getting ready to say, you don't touch this. They will you. And we're going to talk about that in future broadcasts about why and how we're apocalyptic elect and how. That is the only way this is going to happen. You know, we walked around billions of dollars made on New World Order. 
exercise and futility. They do parlor tricks and games. All you can do is run around, run around y'all own little thing, riding on your devils like they dragons. Oh my. How about? So we're changing. This is going to change. And it's going to change for the glory of God the Father. And Jesus Christ is going to get his inheritance. And we're giving up these pagan rituals, and we're giving up these pagan outfits. And anybody who doesn't give it up, don't argue with them. Just say, oh, that's right, right, you're a pagan, okay. Or you want a pagan person, gotcha. Yeah, we got, oh, uh, look at you all scarred up, tired up, slicked up, perfect up. Look at you all, oh, look at the pagan person. <laughs> because real Christians don't sport other gods. Real Christians are changed by the glory of Christ. So are we changed in the face of Jesus, in the presence of God. So when you see it, oh, oh you like that little pagan Christianity on oh, no. <laughs> and you go on and say, Lord have mercy. Yeah. Lord have mercy. That's all I'm saying. We did. I've spent a lot of years trying to help folks figure it out and whatnot. And you know what? Satan literally bold on their ignorance, their darkness, and their naivety, and the lust of their heart, the lust of the flesh, and the tongue of mind. So I need you all to recognize God is making a big difference. may be a huge divide. And to those who are on the Lord's side, they come into him. And heaven has been waiting for this particular dispensation to shut down. That is why, and you can see it, God kicking devils out of heaven, kicking them out of earth. He just rolled it. I mean, we had a thunderstorm tonight, a thunder that night. I said, oh, y'all, y'all saying down. Is anything that could, ooh, I mean, and I once I even heard one of the angels say, yeah, get that one. <laughs> Don't forget that. Yeah, look at that. Get that one. Because we are getting, heaven is getting ready to take over earth. You won't have to worry about whether or not I interpreted it right or wrong. Don't worry about it. It's going, to have, it's going to be so much happening to you. You're going to be begging to be let in. Because this is our time. Yes. This is our time. We still have to take that belt. But she was trying to get over here. This is our time. And in this arch, we will not be vacationing as if we are driving, floating the islands. <laughs> this is going to be closed, chambered combat, and readiness. Yeah. So you better hope you make the arc. You better hope you make it. Because I'm going to tell you right now, there is no. Well, I'm saying to love God. He, I'm not going after the same now. I'm going after the Son. I'm not coming for the stay. We get we get y'all late. So I'm gonna stay out there and, and play that. Until those pagan Christian friends. 
So I wanted her to have this, and we're going to start talking about it a little bit. And I started with explaining it so you understand. God said, Behold, I do a new thing. Perform the things and no more. We don't we like to, you know, he put new wine into the new wine skin. Yeah, you think your wine skin is new because you pray and say the thing. You have no idea what it's like. And it's, it's time for some of us to realize that this is good. And you better be ready. Because, and you can't enlist and say, Oops, I didn't know it was going to cost me my children. Yeah, he said, Count the cost. Count the cost. You don't have them anyhow. They won't get your kids. That's why they look like the world, act like the world, play world music, doing world trends and all of that. Because the kids are not yours. And they haven't been yours for a long time. So you and God have a little bit of negotiating to do. And I say, I'm back. And I'm going nowhere. Now, as we get ready to get into our discussion today, is going to be our prophetic legacy. I mentioned it. Before we get started, let me tell you something. God never leaves a power voice. Did anybody else? And so I want to introduce you to our brand new resource from Iowa, who is taking the role of our assistant chief prophet. She's handling our intercessors. She's handling our uh, prophets in training. And I have to tell you, when I first heard this woman's name years ago, I told my daughter, God was mine. I said, she's unique. And she did. Well, I, I will tell you, it's not often that I meet a full-fledged, flat-footed prophet with no special interest. No special interest, no concept of interest. This girl is like, I'm for Jesus. And if this would not surprise say Jesus, this is what we're doing. There is no if you soften, if you if you toughen it, if you well if you just don't, if you smooth the line, if you use chalk, if you you This girl, first of all, she colored her skin with mine. And then she lets you know there is a lie. <laughs> That's the first thing. But she does something that every genuine prophet I've ever met in all of the 35 years that I've done this, including myself, and that is she stopped dropping her. Yeah. I said, but real prophets know that when God says praise, it's got to happen now because something's happening. Whether it's three minutes, whether it's three hours. And he and she got it so much, they created an environment, a relationship, whereby he puts that burden on her. She shouldn't say, I'm busy, I got a meeting, I do man, and No, no, she said, I got to go work this out. I got to get this because she's shaping. She's pulling. 
That's how God did me. He raised me up like that. I have to stop and pray and remember that the now, wake me up, get up, I need you to pray. You do realize that. <laughs> and I've never met in a long time. My granted, I've stayed away from a lot of prophets because they're too gifty and too showy. Um, and they're too wise. One of the things a prophet will not ever do is wine. And you know why? Because they know the source of the wine is God's adversary. They know God is doing something. And the enemy is lying about it. Oh, oh, yeah. So when I have a whiny prophet, I pretty much gonna shut you off. I'm not. I'm just. I'm gonna tell you right now. I'm gonna ignore you. Do, do you know? I, I don't really care. I think the only person who got that side of me without question, and then the only did it once. This. This. I'm like. Are you kidding? Are you mean to tell me that you're supposed to be holding kingdom and you crying like a baby? Because you can't have a boyfriend? You're not a prophet. You're a jellyfish. You're, you're sitting here supposed to be keeping this man's kingdom and you whining because you can't be in me like Satan's kid? Yes. You're sitting here fighting for culture. Oh, come on. And this man is fighting and scrapping for the kingdom. And you got your hat, your hand, your church, I'm like, yeah, we got it. No pagan Christian. Because whoever you yield yourself to obey, that one becomes your God. See, we stop doing scripture, so we start just feeling our way and thinking our way. And so I listen. I listen to them. And a lot of times I don't say anything. You know why? Because I go to my little breakfast with this. <laughs> because when you do that, I know God's going to move you. And, and I know, you want to know why I know He's going to move you? Why? Because I'm asking you to. Oh. I was so hot in one of our meetings. I said, I want a Hosea. I want a Jeremiah. I want an Isaiah. I want a Deborah. I want a Homer. I don't want these fake prophets. Yes, I do. And I did not stop until I guess. And I'm like, and, 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 and you know what? The ones who weren't real prophets got offended and left. Bible said if they were with you, they would have stayed. Right. I said, yes. And so I know I'm giving, I said to God, I can't go to battle with these prophets. I can't go to war with these folks. Are you kidding? They're too busy. Rob Ross says, Oh, no. Rob, Rob, them who rules. Rob, Rob, my right. Rob, Rob, my liberty. Rob, Rob, my family. God, that's deliverance. Please. I sat there. I I mean, I went up into my full mantleship, 
And I'm telling you, I was so serious. I said, I can't go to war with you all. And I'm talking to some of you all chief prophets and apostles out there. You stop going to war you try to go to war with people who are advocates of flesh. Because if they're fighting and y'all haven't even gotten on the battlefield, we still in group. And it's my job to tell you where the true prophets are and where they're not, and where the successful ones are and where they're not. That is what I have done for 35 years. Obviously, I did a really good job because I finished my course. So I want to introduce you to one of the several real fortified from a bone, from a gut prophet. Yes. That has ever crossed my path. Confidential. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and by the way, you cut up. You know what happened? Yes, ma'am. Uh, yes, ma'am. <laughs> well, hello to everyone. I'm so dishonored uh, to be here, honored to be in this company of apostles and prophets, and to hear um, your assessment um, is tremendous. And listen, the things that we hear this chief apostle saying today are the kinds of things that you cannot walk away from and go back to doing whatever you were doing, however you were doing it. <laughs> can't do it. You can't do it. And so uh, even as she was saying, we truly are, the day has changed, period. <laughs> The day has changed, and I'm just tremendously glad that I am able to be a part of what now is about to unfold in this day under the dispensation and commission of this chief apostle. Amen. Well, we're going to get started with some discussion, and um, I want to start with Chief. I, you know, I have to act like a mother for 30 seconds. My daughter is probably one of the most profound and prolific prophets I've heard in a long time. And it happened while I was But we talked a lot. There are, there are a lot of changes that she was forced into, but a lot of things were forced upon her. Um, and she was, I can actually say, you know, she was the lab rat. I had to. And she was black right. And the reason that I uh, that she took profit today is because I threw it and it was crushing her. It was destroying her. So we pulled her back and we thought it was our decision. The next thing I know, she had a midnight visitation from heaven. Talking about, oh no, we need to get this together. We now uh, Oh, oh, it wasn't our idea? Again. Again. And so um, I think that she seasons it with a rawness that could not come out any other way. You know, we forget that seasoning includes curing. Yeah. Yeah. It includes purging and perfecting. And so many times even now, she and God are on a whole new panel, a whole new, a whole new panorama. 
in terms of where she goes forward in this new thing. And so I don't have to be in her prayer closet to know what God is saying and doing. Because you can't go into the future until you have a certain part of the past. You can't do it. Because you keep wanting the past, the present, to fix your past. And for the future to earn your faith. So I'm going to introduce you to Tantric Paula Price. You're going to talk about why God does everything that begins with a prophet and why would that constitute a legacy for me. Oh, amen. Uh, I think that, well, I think that was one of the, um, I say profound, but it would probably be a nice um, capstone around a lot of the uh, teaching and training we've done throughout the years and laying the foundation for what the prophet is. Um, since it grew up in the midst of the evangelical empire, uh, differentiating it, defining it, um, uh, identifying it, giving people markers and indicators and all of those kind of things were very, very difficult because there was there, we only do one type of, really one type of two types, and then the teacher came, but a fivefold ministry. So no one really knew how to classically identify and define independent of those positions and how they act, um, what a prophet was. And so it was very, obviously, very challenging to do that. And so I think that getting to the place, well, first of all, you, Sam's alone, okay, just differentiating the fact that you recognize that we're doing away apostles and prophets, and they're the ones that wrote the scripture. I remember when we started doing ABC of apostleship, and this was after the, the, the teachings we named earlier, manifesting over the Godhead, great works. So this we said, okay, now I can help you understand what the apostles are here to do and what the kingdom foundation is, and et cetera. And I remember. Uh, us talking about during that series, well, if you read the Bible, then you were raised by apostles and prophets, that we were groomed by them in our Christian faith. And yet we know the least about how they should function. That is awkward. Okay, that is really weird because at the end of the day, everything we've learned, we learned from a prophet or an apostle. I remember the message you talked about, talking about starting everything with a prophet, and it includes everything. Okay, you don't realize that until you read the scriptures and think about how many things you learn from prophets. And so you get a whole message on you want others, and you have them do it to you, and how this hangs on the law and the prophets. You said you recognize that love thy neighbor came from a prophet. You recognize do unto others came from a prophet. You recognize love the Lord your God came from a prophet. You recognize it was a prophet that taught you. Okay, how to, to, to honor God, how to walk in holiness, taught us justice, taught us equity, taught us all of those things. He said, this came from the prophet. Oh, what? That doesn't come from prophets. Prophets don't act like that. You know, right? As far as you were concerned. And so when you make the statement that God starts everything with a prophet, you know, we, we jump, you know, well, now we want to jump to Abel. You taught us that, too, because no one knew Abel was Abel other than the guy that got killed by his brother because he was listening to God, um, or obeying God. He didn't even know he was killed. Okay. That came later. But what I loved about how you groomed us and trained us as prophets is that we didn't start with all of the abilities and answers. We started with what God started with them. The foundation of everything we believe today as Christians 
And, of course, you blew our mind by showing us that the gospel came to the prophets first. What? Won't be English? No way. <laughs> well, because at that time, prophets were being criticized for not evangelizing enough and not being evangelical and not acting like this other thing. Wait a minute. So when you make this statement about a prophetic legacy, everything pertaining to what you know about God today came out of the mouth of his prophets and the commandments were ratified out of the mouth of his apostles. And so when you're talking about a legacy, the legacy goes all the way back to everything we know Jesus Christ. Now, okay? Because at that time, you know, he was doing the Yahweh thing. Okay? But when we come down the line, you recognize that anything and everything you recognize about your Christian walk, we don't, we don't recognize that that's a prophetic legacy automatically. So if you're going to talk about anything related to God, related to God, to, to Jesus Christ, related to Christianity, related to the gospel, related to all the things that we stand on today, that's why Ephesians 2.20 is what it is. And we didn't know that's what it was and why it was. We didn't know that Ephesians 2.20 meant that everything we understand about Christianity and our Christian walk came from these places. So we were raised and birthed by apostles and prophets in God. And so I think that that's one of you making that statement just as a capstone now on looking back to the legacy of everything that prophets do. Because, again, we have not even begun to explore in mainstream Christianity, per se, and marginally in the prophetic and apostolic communities that are friendly to it. Everything that God does with prophets. And you ask that question, you say, what does God do with the prophet outside of prophesying? And we went through it, and over the years, told us, showed us the legacy. Abel never prophesied one thing, but he's the first prophet on record. Okay, we don't have a record anywhere of him prophesying any key thing, but yet he's the first prophet. That means that our understanding of what God does with prophets is erroneous. Everything was, which you just said earlier, going to the action, going to the performances, going to the saying side, which, of course, you've already established as being very Greco-Roman. But clearly, the Nalbeam institution was set up to do something entirely different for God, which is why he has to start with them first. And so we don't ever think about why he has to start with them first, because we always think that the first thing that uh, happens is that we just prophesy. And not that they get a dream. And not that this man lost his life, literally guarding the ways of God. That the first thing he did with, with, with his prophetic was guard God's way, guard God's system, and the things that he was trying to set up in the planet, okay, to regulate and, um, uh, this is what I'm looking for, um, regulate and establish, if you will, what he wanted the human world, the human life to be. And so because everybody starts with prophecy, they can't imagine why God would just start with prophecy. Or, no, let me take that back. Not even prophecy, and, I, and I'm sure you have a thought on this, but start with prediction. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Futurism. Mm-hmm. Everything is about futurism because that's what Satan does. Mm-hmm. His order of divine prophecy <laughs> is all about ripping off the future. Because you don't have access to books. Yeah. And so you're absolutely right. It's all about building off the future. Now, we have another, you all, of, I mean, she needs an introduction, so we're not going to waste time. <laughs> <laughs> no. Come on. 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 Come on.
Ashley came with my daughter from ORU, and the prophets I have now, uh, leading up to this, were ORU students first. What I liked about her is that Ashley is fun, and many people don't realize that she's fun. Even she makes hard work fun. You know, she got a headache, and she got to laugh. She's trying to say what the truth is. <laughs> okay. And so, but one of the things that she did when she first came was she recognized my struggle. And she didn't just recognize it. She owned up to it and undertook it. And she did it all of her own accord. However, I did not know that she was crying. I said, so, um, so I'm having this conversation, and she's talking to me about Ezekiel 9. I said, you're going to you. I'm sure they're going to do Ezekiel 9 at Okay. I'm, I'm, I'm almost convinced that they don't, you know. And so, in case you don't know, Ezekiel 9 is when God sends out his assassins. Because of those people messing in the house. So, I'm like... She said, yeah, I really thought I was a kid. Oh, Lord, you're so I'm telling you, why is she reading this? Why aren't you watching television? You know, why aren't you looking, you know, some sort of, you know, begging somebody? No, it's a And so she, um, the reason that I said that is because I asked God once, in the beginning, who is this woman? He said, actually, the prophet. He said, really, she's an apostle, but right now I'm going to use her as a prophet. I said, okay. I said, you do realize that she didn't prophesy. <laughs> well, I didn't realize that Ashley goes into prophecy conversation. And unless you tell her it's a particular setting, she's just going to get involved in sleeping. And she just rolled it out. So I said, oh, okay. But she, she did something that... Um, Forever changed my life, and God said she would, and that is she never left my side, ever. I don't care what I went through. She, uh, people would be fussing about me. All these people are crazy. That's all I know. They don't know what they're talking about. They just want, no, no, that is not your problem. These people came to us with these problems, and they like them. And I'm sitting in the chair. <laughs> <laughs> so then finally we put it through training and it and the prophet came up. But it didn't come a prophet like that. And she and uh Paula are why I came up with apostolic prophet. Because they would neither all of either one. And so as we were doing our assessment, she would come up. Now, when I say, but Ashley was flat-footed and apostle from day one. We're not doing that. I mean, her entire song team get ready to order this girl. I don't care. We're not doing that. And I mean, I heard all kinds of things about, well, she just didn't. God's like, Ashley will keep whatever I give her. She will not ever let it go. Well, that's my, my basic nature. 
And the first rule I gave her in praise and worship is never give a devil the truth. And I'm telling you, you wonder why our strength is what it is. You know, because you know, you get people talking about women, well, yes, you don't think like this, they don't move like that, whatever. That's because y'all still looking for devil praise. Because if you can't praise when God is moving, then ain't nobody holding your back. Oh, my God. But she never, ever, ever criticized me. Not once in two years. She could. God knows if anybody knows where everything is. <laughs> but she never does. Never did. I'd be dying in my bed, and she just get on top of me like. A little blanket, and she would just pray in my ear and speak in tongues in my ear. And she said, I don't care what happened, Dr. Preston, to God, we won't do that. And boy, then she's going on and take to the Lord. But I stayed there to the say, So one day, they're prophesying. I mean, my, they made it out. I mean, they got everything. It's wonderful. And she starts prophesying. I said, God, she doesn't sound like that. She said, because she's not one of them. I said, oh, okay. So now we're here. <laughs> <laughs> and I say that to you and say, these women have been through the mud. They've been through the rigor. They've been through the... For me to get to this day, I would not be here today if they were commonplace. Every day. Because common prayer is for the status of So I want her to tell you how she found out she was very popular. And then how best she was. Yeah. Mm. What was reason telling me that God? So prophets were to edify and confirm. Encourage you and tell you pretty much what you already know. Now, growing up, that didn't exactly make sense to me because I thought, why do we need somebody to tell you what you already know? That seemed redundant. But that's all I had. I had no Dr. Price. I had no dictionary. I thought, that doesn't seem quite right. <laughs> and you're just going to come and tell me the sky is blue. Thank you. I can see the sky is blue. And so whenever um, I came, initially, I thought, because, you know, you, you moved to a new city. I was raised in the same church. I can't stand church hopping. The concept for me to have to shop for a new church just irritated me every weekend. And I would. And so I begged God, please lead me to the church where I'm going to land because I am not going to this one. Well, you know, you just need to shop around. You just need to drive around. You just need to do whatever. First of all, I know cars, so there was no drive around. <laughs> and uh, I was like, oh, I hate the idea of not having a church. And so my friend Paula, and who are you, said, well, my mom has a church. So we became friends immediately. I mean, we met, and, and at that day, um, ORU was just very different. The whole university was very different, but we were in the same department. And I was, I think I was at the front desk. She walked in. I was like, oh, she seems cool. You know, oh, you're freshman business. Yeah, me too, about a business. I said, oh, maybe we'll be friends. <laughs> you know how 
when you go back and think about your initial thoughts and then how life actually plays out. And she said, well, my mom has a church. And I was like, oh, okay. And she said it's in the hotel. Now I'm thinking, oh, that's right, because, you know, now churches are everywhere. Now, this was 21 years ago where that was like the beginning of churches having church outside of an actual normal church, regular church building. And uh, so I saw the prophet's dictionary in the house. No, uh, constructing the contemporary prophet, she talked about. Now, Dr. Price at the time was always on the road, always. And so we would go to this really nice house, and there was a Mercedes in the garage, and nobody was ever home but her. And I said, I don't think your mom is real. They just moved into the house, no pictures on the wall. It, I was like, no. So constructing was on the counter one day, and I was like, constructing the contemporary prophet. I'm sitting there reading the title, trying to wrap my head around the concept of what it actually even meant. What is a contemporary prophet, and how do you construct them? And then she said, yeah, my mom wrote the dictionary, the prophet's dictionary. Your mom wrote a dictionary? Can people write dictionaries? Like, I began to think, can people? Because, you know, you have Webster's Dictionary, and how, long, how old is that idea? And I thought, so we can, you can just write a dictionary. So, so we're sitting in church one day. I obviously ended up attending. And we're sitting upstairs in the hotel in the widow room. The widow room, half the size of probably this room we're in right now. And Dr. Price was preaching, and she had her cloth. And before it was a flat cloth, okay? It was just the cloth. And it had lace around it and everything. And she throws it on my head when she's preaching. Because I was the praising sat in the front on the side. And I was like, oh, my God. This is the new Elijah. Elijah. I'm like, I knew my Bible. <laughs> and that's me, what just happened? And then I thought, what just happened? And she said, um, what did you say to me when you did that? Because she was preaching and she just threw it on my head. And she said, I'm not taking it back. And I said, I'm not giving it back. And then I said, I can't believe I just said that. And that's really how in that prophetic act, God told me so much about my then unknown future. And I thought, oh, I'm in trouble. I mean, I don't even know if I was talking in tongues yet. Maybe I just, I did not get a baptism in the Holy Ghost until I got here. And I thought, I get that time, yeah, because it was early in the game. And I was like, now, Lord, I, I'm not going to survive in Dr. Price's ministry if I can't talk in tongues. Now, I've been pursuing this as a kid, as a teenager. Every time they called you to the altar, I was like, I need to talk in tongues, and it just never happened. I was always that kid who went in the back room with somebody, and they prayed with you forever, and it never happened. And so by the time I got here, I was desperate. I was like, Lord, I need to speak in tongues because she does. Like, for real, in ways I've never heard. And so, anyway, that happened. So that's how I found out that. And then several years later, we were in her kitchen. The Lord moves in Dr. Price's kitchen, no matter what house it is. And um, she was, we were just talking about something, and she said to me that I was going to do what she did and more. She said, oh, you will, you'll do that and more. And she said, because you're, you're going to be like me. And I stood there thinking, that you're an apostle. <laughs> so I know that can't be right. <laughs> and I didn't say it. She didn't say it. The moment just kind of rolled. I said, well, until she says it, I'm going to act like I didn't hear what I'm going to deny that I just heard. 
Because how is that possible? At that time, I'm still trying to break down what the books are. Before um, church prop, no, before uh, the prophet temple was church prophet, which was more like this side. I couldn't even read that book. I said, I don't even understand what this is saying. How is this even right? So if you think that, you know, coming into this, it's just like, yeah, it just falls on you. I had such a hard time breaking off that old evangelical brain and mind. My head hurt for like three years. I had chronic headaches after church. I mean, it was nearly impossible. I'm telling you, I just would put books down, and I thought, I'm sure she, somebody's going to change her mind because this can't be right. Well, obviously that didn't happen. And so those are really the two ways that the Lord let me know this is who you are. But that that moment of her telling me that I was going to be an apostle without saying it, that was 16 years ago. Nothing was done with that moment. And we always think when somebody tells you something, then you just automatically or activate, like the word is the activation. And so the switch. And so we come down all these years later to where we are now. But the moment happened back then. How does the training, how does the training change you? Well, I'm somebody who had to have training in order for anything to make sense to me. Uh, I was sitting in class, and I'm, I'm listening to the prophets, and I'm like, it's so not. Oh, come on. I mean, is there a book? Is there? <laughs> and so when I sat in prophet's class, it was the homework that awakened my mantle. It was the homework that made it make sense because I, even though I'm a person of tremendous faith, when, I, when it gets to me comprehending things, oh, no, I need a book. I need a, I need a homework assignment. I need somebody to grade me on something. Because I don't even know. And I would sit there, and at that time we had Let's Just Talk on Friday night. And I would sit there and watch Dr. Price prophesy to people. And I would say, now, how does that technically work? Are you seeing? I'm sitting there, so she thinks I'm zoning out or bored. And I'm sitting there trying to figure out how prophecy works. I said, so does she see pictures or does she hear words? I mean, is it like a sane version of schizophrenia where, you know, I'm trying to, I'm trying to find something that you people talk about, you hear God, you, you're, what, what, what? And it wasn't until I went to school that I understood it. And when I understood it, I could do it because he had made me to do it. I mean, you can understand things and still not be called do it. And so that's what school did for me. Likewise, when it was time to shift me into apostleship training, man, I was busting. It's like five years ago. Everything set me off. And I'm really typically not a set off person. Not really. Uh, <laughs> not when I'm. Okay. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm going off about this. And I'm going off about that. And oh, Dr. Price said, this is the problem. We just need to get this in order in the prophetic company and the people in the world and the church and the singers. And I mean, everything was out of order. <laughs> and she said, you know what your problem is? I'm like, what? Am I the problem? <laughs> she said, God's transitioning you into apostleship. Oh, then I was like, oh, oh. You don't want to go sit down. I mean, quiet now. <laughs> I'm done fussing. And that's what launched formally the AIT program. Where she said, I need to put you in class. 
She said, because you can't go forward without academia. And I said, I know you're right. I'll be right here 10 years from now, fussing about the same thing, not going anywhere. And that, in the training, and that, the books, the revelation, the studying, is what uh, began to shape it. Of course, being mentored by Dr. Price all of those years, having the example. Uh, when I first met her back in the hotel days, I said, you know, the problem is, the, minute, the problem is the ministry was small. Because the ministry was small, people thought you shouldn't have standards because you're small. And I said, but you run this church like a denomination because I came out of a denomination. Nobody ran up and did anything in my church, ever. I don't care how talented you were. That meant nothing to my pastor if you were not in the system or in a program or a department. It didn't matter what you did on your corporate job. This is the church. And so I told her, I said, I'm telling you, somehow this is going to end up being a denomination. And I keep saying it. The con- congregation of the apocalyptic mighty near people, Jesus. Look, it's going <laughs> to somewhere, somewhere, this is going to end up denominational something. And I said, which is why I understood, even though I've never been under a woman ever a day in my life, 18, you didn't do that back then, ever. But I thought, no, this has all the hallmarks of order and structure. Guess what is your term? You get to talk about <laughs> what the idea of legacy means as a problem. Now that you have you're coming around that curve. Okay. Oh wow. What the idea of legacy means as a problem. You know this statement of the thought is extremely challenging to us in the context that we have in the prophetic, because we hear many people say, uh, make this quote-unquote Old Testament, New Testament separation, and suggest that, well, you know, if you're a prophet, you should just be looking at, you know, New Testament elements and New Testament things, and there's no way that you can do the job without what Dr. Price has set forward to us, which is the continuum. Uh, when we understand Part of this issue is because the prophets have been reduced to the ecclesial mind. Well, Chief and I were actually chatting about that just a little bit uh, when she was doing the last mentorship forum, and we were talking about how this church has made the church the prophet's world. But what, what Dr. Price has clarified for us is that actually the world is the world of the prophet. And when we understand the legacy of the prophet, it means that we go all the way back. First of all, Dr. Price clarifies and teaches something that I think maybe even many prophets in this culture don't understand. And she talks to us about angels uh, being the first ones the first ones who were in the institution of the prophet. So how in the world can you reduce the execution, the assignments, the responsibilities, the protocols, the standards, the manifestations, the products of the prophet to the Old Testament if the angel staffed it first? Come on, somebody. 
Oh, my goodness. It makes absolutely no sense. And a lot of the reason, I think, even as we talk about legacy, that prophets now fall under um, prophetics that are really molded by the culture, um, are not able to penetrate the ceilings and the climates of places that they are entering into, um, are, are hijacked and captured in terms of what they would say in the name of the Lord, has also a lot to do with this issue of legacy and with not having this training, not having this understanding about these particular kinds of foundations because if angels have the office first and, and therefore the prophetic innocence has this prophetic, I mean, excuse me, this eternal continuum, then how in the world can a trend set what a prophet has to say? How in the world can time set what a prophet has to say? That, that, that cannot be the case. That, that can't be the order uh, of what this thing really is and what God is really after when we understand these things. So we really first need to understand how much error it is to train prophets according to, quote, unquote, some type of New Testament schematic. So the legacy is critical. A lot of us as prophets are in error. We cannot discern. Dr. Price teaches us so much about the criticalness of being able to discern Jesus Christ. That's what we're in right now uh, on Sunday. Um, Dr. Price is talking about the goal of the series that she's in is to discern, to discern the Jesus Christ of Scripture from humans and from devils. And we have a lot of prophets who cannot discern the Jesus Christ of Scripture from humans and devils. When they open their mouth, they open their mouth for humans. When they open their mouth, they open their mouth for devils. Because there's not enough understanding of the legacy of the prophet for them to be able to identify the frequency of the deity that they are supposed to be representing and speaking for. So legacy is critical. We have a lot of prophets now who see the prophetic ministry as the pop-up of their anointing. And so because somebody told them that they're great, because somebody told them that they're anointed, because somebody gave them a word and told them that they're <laughs> Somebody told them that they're going to the nation. And so they operate in the prophetic like it began with them. And if you operate in the prophetic like it began with you, then it's your vault is extremely vulnerable and immediately susceptible to error and to all types of puppeteering by the forces. Now, you know the Bible says that in this world there are many voices, and none of them is without significant signification, you know, depending on what translations that you're looking at. And, and so we have prophets because they think that the prophetic began with them because of whatever word that they got that activated their particular moment that now becomes this transit system for all kinds of voices. Uh, Dr. Price was actually, she brought this up to us a few uh, Thursdays back, a while back maybe, uh, more, talking about Balaam Mystic Prophetic. That we're, we're just speaking for whatever wants to speak, whatever needs to speak, whatever taps us. And that also is an issue of not understanding legacy. Not understanding uh, what Dr. Price writes about in Before the Garden, the continuum. A 
And I absolutely, absolutely love what Dr. Price teaches us about the fact that the prophets were the ones who brought Jesus Christ into the planet. That is anchored in the continuum. And we as prophets now struggle, if you will, to bring the potencies of Christ that should exist in our generation into the planet because we're not plugged into the continuum. Because we don't understand its protocols, its procedures. We don't, we don't know these things. And so we're wondering why we're having the struggles that we're having. We're wondering why we are not in the seats of power as the church at large. We're wondering why, you know, that we're just kind of going through our little peon, you know, motions and rituals and religiosities. But the devil is running the world. And the devil is running the world because the prophets don't understand the legacy. And because they don't understand the legacy, they can't do the assignment. They can't push the church where she should be. They can't usher Jesus in. And the point that you don't make it so that we don't miss it, <laughs> the world was founded by God. Abel was a prophet. She just got through telling us that we have no documentation or whatever he said at all. Okay? But Abel founded human society. Mm which is why he goes, his legacy goes all the way up to Hebrews. That devil killed the foundation. A was running. Here's what's the most pathetic thing about today's process, and that is most of them don't know Jesus came. We got hardcore denominations talking about we don't believe in prophets, and you're not Christian. (laughs) (laughs) She found the bell. Now, you could be a nobody all day long, but we're going to treat Jesus like he is the king of kings, the great king. And I train my prophets for their makeup, not for the hearer, because people in all kinds of ways, they hear prophets. But so today, psychics are ruling your world, prophets, because you Although I got a few, I like my prophets, they're wonderful, but I want you to understand you are Jesus' prophet. Amen. And if Jesus doesn't speak, you have nothing to say. You are a different Lord. We have got to change this. Not the forward 
to the prophets that God really trusted me. Most of you all won't come. You know, Jesus said, y'all won't come to me because y'all just like being stuck where you are. Oh. You know, there are people who are so and back then, and he got Okay. Jesus, God in the flesh, He's the return of God. He is their pulse. He is their bloodline. He is, he is their vascular system. He is their organ. He is their brain. He, as a matter of fact, y'all didn't know Jesus was very, very indulgent because that man can flick your switch in a second. Oh uh, I think they call him an influencer or something. Somebody is a business. Always in the way. Uh, whatever we got, whatever the ism is, he can separate you from life. You know, so he is. But he said, "I delight in mercy and not judgment." So he wants mercy. But we have a strong, uh, a really strong path that's falling to us. Can you imagine the world civilization? Humanity were founded by angels and prophets. Like <laughs> but if you don't know your history, why are you pursuing a difference? Oh my Because if you don't know where you're going to end up, why are you on the road? Just drag me out the ring along. It's kind of scary. We're going to have, probably don't get home, but we don't really do. We're going to have Chief talk. She mentioned something, and you know, she kind of, she, she has these skaters. You know, just catch her, chase her around the state. <laughs> but I'm not me. <laughs> but um, I want you to talk about Sam. She mentioned it. You're going to talk about it from a prophet's perspective. You introduce it a good bit of it. But let's see if you can make it make sense to our viewers. And then she's going to mention Sam for herself as one who had to take the program. And what is Sam's? So, we'll start with what is Sam's. Uh, you want to start? You can explain that. No, no, I'm just going to Oh, okay. I thought you were going to talk about what Sam's is. Uh, I would say an acronym, which you know Dr. Price is known for, uh, summarizing, summarizing things in an acronym. And so it stands for Scripture Authoring Mantles. And one of the ways that she uh, literally had to contend for the
or perpetual, depending on which which thing he was established. But most of them are going to be around because he or she already established how the prophetic, you know, what the precedent was set eternity. Angels were doing it before humans became a part of the line of order. So we never thought about those realities that, wait a minute, these are positions, perpetual positions. So Moses established a perpetual position. Well, how can we prove it? He established the office of the prophet. Most people never put that together, but he did. And how did who how told us? Jesus, who came as a prophet, who said they sit in Moses' what? Seat. When you look at the word seated, office. So Moses started the office of the prophet. So when God was, with, uh, my goodness, I mean, I just love this revelation because when God was uh, uh, working with him, we always thought, like, oh, no, he was just working with a Moses. No, God was establishing a seat. Right. He was establishing an office, legacy, perpetual. So Moses' law, okay, became two-thirds of what we know as the Old Testament. The prophets were defending that office. They entered into Moses' office and defended his office, which is why a true prophet was always uh, indicated uh, or earmarked by their protection and guardianship and perpetuation of Moses' law. There was no prophet in Israel, okay, from Moses until Samuel. How can that be? That's a lot of years. Were people not prophesying? Were people not talking? Were people not saying anything? No. Samuel picked up the legacy, not a message, a word, a prediction, a prognostication, a sign and a signal. The reason why he was established as the next prophet, okay, was because they said we have not had a prophet like that since Moses. And what made him like Moses? He resumed the law. Okay, he resumed the law. He went in there and began to reestablish everything that God was establishing through Moses so that the position can be reignited, not a person. Come on. So that's how he was able to keep the, to keep the structure of the Mosaic law alive. Because, see, that's what she distinguished for. She separated the position, the post, from the person. So what we are actually bringing back into existence in Ephesians 2.20 and what she's trying to show us through Sam by the prophets and the apostles authoring the scripture is that how God keeps the position going. That he still, that he doesn't rule through people. He rules through positions. And that's what he did. Okay, because if he doesn't put you in the seat, doesn't put you in the position, he had to honor the Pharisees and Sadducees while he was here, knowing that they were doing wickedness to what he established. Why? Because he ruled through seats. Not people. We couldn't stand them as people. We're not going to be not people. Come on,
He's raising up a people. There's going to be one that's over here. Okay, I mean, did he tell us everywhere, every time there's going to be a city, there's going to be a new Jerusalem. There's going to be a, I mean, so the prophets are literally prophesying the civilization of heaven into the planet. First in the coming through the beam of the seed of Jesus Christ that would be the grain of the mustard seed that was planted here, and then having it manifest through the apostles. Why? Every word apostles say is how everything now is being manifested through us. It's being now revealed, now being manifested through us, now in us. Now, so they were in charge of the manifestation of what the prophet birthed or spoke into existence. So because God's ready to establish it. And when he's ready to bring things here in the planet to live, there needs to be a government. Right. So I always tell people when you think about First Corinthians twelve twenty eight, we talked about this about with, with household versus stronghold, because again we always just be thinking people. So we think okay, first apostles, secondarily prophets, thirdly teachers, and that's true. And after that we have the miracles and administration, and that is true. But we never think about positionally what that is saying. Right. Positionally, it's saying first government, then enforcement, mm-hmm. then compliance. Because the teacher's job is to, to bring everybody into compliance in what the prophets are enforcing and what the apostles are governing. That's why he had to start with them first, because God was ready to manifest his government. It wasn't going to be just something spiritual and spoken and prophesied. It was ready for it to be a church option. And a church option. Right, because, you know, we do that. But I think that that's what's amazing about Sam's death, because she brings you back into the foundation. That's legacy. She brings you back into the foundation, the legs of because mm-hmm. we never think about legacy being right. what we stand on. Right, right, which is why right. Ephesians 2.20, the foundation. We never identify prophets as foundation. We never, we, we say a lot of things about prophets, but founder is not one of them. Mm-hmm. And because of that, we are reckless with our whole presentation of ourselves because we make it about performance, we make it about ability. But do you know what it takes to be a foundation for something? Yes, the whole different type of training that has yet to even reach the the ears of the wider body of Christ or your average school of prophets because they're not teaching you what it takes to live according to the identity that God gave us, which was foundation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He didn't call us all this other stuff that we're saying, but he called us a foundation. So our training doesn't even prepare us to carry something like right. that. Right. The, the Old Testament prophets had to carry yeah. the yeah. message of the gospel until God was ready to manifest it in the flesh. Mm-hmm. And then now that embodiment being passed on, the embodiment being passed on to apostleship, the embodiment being passed on to apostleship. And so I think that when it comes to the scriptures authoring mantles, that those mantles, understanding what that really means. Well, it's also why we can't we can't go forward. Um, you see, people have been saying for 20 years, aren't you tired of the same six of How many times I got my bed, I got my baby, I got my baby, I got my baby, I got my and you know why? Because God does everything. He starts everything with a prophet, and he sanctions it by the apostles. Our job is to speak to it that the throne reigns. The apostles are about the throne, and, and we who sits on it. Remember Psalm 2, he who sits on the throne will laugh. Yeah. Okay? And so we have a long way to go. That's why we found in Christ University at <coughs> Hartford. Oh, yes. Um, but we found that, and then we also established prophetic edit to see to it that what prophets were sent into the planet to do, they can organizationally do, they can functionally do, 
but they can also authoritatively do it. Yeah. Remember, the prophets said yes and that, which is why every time you turn around, we read about saving children. Well, you're talking about, come on. Come on. But you know, cops get killed all the time. They're doing what they to. Fire people all the time. Lose their lives. That's what it is. Military soldiers. Soldiers are like, but that's why I do this. I mean, I, I believe in my country. I believe this is a thing. I believe this should happen. You know, we, because we have put everything under the church, we do not understand that our job is to be tough. Our job is to say yay and nay. We decide whether or not prophecy comes from heaven. The devil don't tell you a prophecy. You hear from Jesus. What Jesus is that? The nine million knockoffs he said he was going to have? And and we'll be better at that when we decide we shut this down. When we say it's not so, it's not so. And we start with the prophets, and the prophets go to their constituents. They go to their followers. They go to their intercessors. They go to their trainers. And they are the ones that say, enough of this crazy. We can, I'm killing this. I know it works. I have gone to churches where they have gone like really flesh and shame. Man, we had such a flesh flash. You could, it's like you could smell it burning in the spirit. And I want you to understand, and I'm sitting there, so the first time I'm sitting there, the Lord says, so how long are you going to put over this? Hey, I got options. I have authority. And I mean, church doesn't know me. I'm, no, I don't know them. I said, but Jesus deserves better. We're going to get better than that. The second time, I just said, I'm, I'm done with this. I'm done. Don't even have to me. No, we're not doing it like that. We are the power base of the kingdom. First apostles. Secondary prophets. Thirdly, teachers. And then after that, we get the miracles. See, we, we, we skip that little piece right there. Right after that, we get the miracles. How about you? Scripture doctrine mental the book, the course really, it's the whole course in a book. Uh, Dr. Price wrote it and inserted assignments in it, and the assignments are geared to teach us to take what is often left in the ethereal realm, and as she put in the book, peopleize and actionize it. Because when the apostles, let's, if we're talking about the founding apostles in particular, their job was to bring eternity into the now and to not just install it in people, but to also prepare them, and she taught us this years ago, prepare them to live with God in his world. When we have brought everything down to God living with us in our world, which is how we have, if he would just stop cutting up, we would be fine. If he would let us do whatever we want to do in his name, our way, and everything would be okay. But apostles teach the reverse of that, which is why so many apostles are charged with being hard-hearted and not caring about the people and all of this other nonsense. Because our job, like she just said, thronal is, uh, that's not how the king does it in his realm. Because you're about to get yourself. They, yes, 
they wouldn't get, because you are about to get yourself killed really quickly. We, we all, well, I don't know if everybody does, but many of us love period peace films. And what's the one thing? The king off with his head. I mean, it can be done, 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 because what the king wants is what the king gets. And apostles are that. So we take the author of mantles knowing that these books were penned from the king. Anybody who is dispatched from the throne, you don't take that person out because it's considered an act of war. I mean, if I went somewhere as Apostle Ashley and was mistreated, people would know you've engaged this. And people don't look. Back in the day, they tried to hook me up with some guy. These other apostles. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Wait a minute. We're about to jump somebody in this church today. You say one more step forward toward apostles. What are you doing? I mean, the second row. I was told the second row was like, we were about to be like, hold Hold on, what's about to go down here? Okay, still, still, still hasn't recovered. Me, that's Philadelphia. All right, we got Chicago and Philly. <laughs> and, and so the apostles are those officers. Yesterday on my show, I just actually addressed um, authority. Now, you've taught on authorship, you taught it on this show, and how, in the end, the common trait when you author something is you have power. Power to make people do something. Power to make people believe something. Power to make people follow you. And so in talking about scriptures, authoring mantles, God has put within our mantles the power to compel people to do things his way and to punish when they don't, which is why we had Ananias and Sapphira dropping dead before the apostles for a lie, which we would consider, eh, you know, they changed their mind. Today, we would say, they just changed their mind. But we saw the judgment on that. And so uh, the book takes you all the way through to by the time you get to the end, you talk in a tongue to do your homework, I promise you. Because you don't realize how much we have just, we're, we're operating in the concept of the apostle and the prophet. It's conceptual. And as long as it's a concept, it is subject to self-interpretation, which is what you were hitting on as well. Uh, you know, it's, well, this is, it's not the way you see it. It's the way I see it. What did Chief talk about? No, we, oh, you do it like Moses. Oh, that's the real deal because he's the standard of the real. And now it's because it's been brought into church and all the things we've said today, it's subject to personal interpretation. That's not how you see it. That's how I see it. It's a concept. So at the end of the book, I mean, you're talking about one assignment is like 40 points of application that you have to do on this one idea. Here's a statement. What does it look like here? Here's a statement. What does this look like? Here's a statement. And you just want to cry because you realize <laughs> you realize you are stepping into an office that you have not thought through because you don't even know how to think it through. We're just talking. We want anointing and execution. So when scriptures offer mantles, man, you slow your roll fast, quick, and in a hurry what this job is all about. She said, but if you can't put it into people, what are you doing? And we just want to run past people. Anointing, wave. We want to, we want bragging rights about how many people fell out in worship. And we want bragging rights about we didn't even get to the word today. And we want all of those things that don't change lives, actually. 
Now, they could change the moment. You can get healed and delivered and whatnot. But when it comes time to being conformed into living God's life, living God's type of life here, so that we will be compatible, first of all, so we will actually make the trip there, and then be compatible with him there, are, that's something else altogether. Who, who says that? Somebody asked me, actually, the week of the event, when we were at the other event, the day of, uh, you're meeting with Vice President Pence, so we were in the hotel before going out to meet him. And uh, another apostle in town asked me, so what is an apostle? I heard you were commissioned. What, what is that? Uh, here it goes. Question. <laughs> there it is. And I was so proud of the training program. Because <laughs> people do things all the time. They cannot explain. And I said, well, an apostle is a throne agent sent from God ambassadorially here on earth in order to instill in people the way God lives to make them compatible to live with him and to ideally not receive his punishment while we're here. And he stood there and looked at me and was like, now that's impressive. And I want to be like, thank you, Dr. And all these hours of work. Because in that moment, it changed everything about even what they thought apostleship was. And so in dealing with scriptures, offering mantles, it's that authority, that power piece. Not just the power to tell you what to do. And, and even uh, Paul talking about, we're not here to abuse you with our, we're not here to do all of that. That's not the point of why God has given us power. It's to transform, it's to change. It's Acts 26, 18. I mean, we love to quote like the beginning of that, usually. You know, a lot of times we write off, but it's that end piece about receiving that inheritance, receiving the sanctification. All of that is the whole thing with scriptures authoring mantles. So when we talk about seeing the fruit of apostleship, what we've been taught it is, which is what? Owning businesses and having ninety two churches in the United States. Buying malls. And a buying malls. Although that's still not a bad idea, but it's not apostleship. I mean, you know, that's not the definition of apostleship. And we but whenever you study it scripturally, based on how the authoring mantles wrote it, and what the apostles said was the fruit of their apostleship. I mean, when we were, Dr. Price was fighting with these young hot-headed prophets on a trip last year. And she's like, hold on here. We need to go back to the word on what the word said is the fruit of these mantles. And when people come to our ministry, they don't even realize what they're seeing is the fruit of apostleship. Strong believers, people strong in the Lord. And in the power of his might, like for real. People who know who God is, people who don't want to mess him over. I think one of the best signs of fruit of apostleship is people who don't want to mess over the Lord. And they recognize this is messing him over. And we don't want to do that. They come in our church and we're so happy to look covered and dress and do all the basic things all the way to the solid word. And you can tell that things have changed in the world because she's gone from being accused of just being so hard and whatever. People are like, yes, we need this. We need this strength. We need it to be uncompromised. So those scriptures offering mantles apostolically is about seeing that the fruit of it is we are being transformed to, to be like him. And that has been a song and a dance for so long, but not a reality in people's minds. Yeah. Well, yeah. people don't think that we should be like him because we're only human. Ah. Uh, you're just a little dusty flesh. 
And that's not how God sees us. One of the things that she said was how the prophets secure most deceit. But the apostles secure Jesus' throne. My God. That is why he came as the king training them in kingdom. Yeah, yeah. The problem is we want to give kingdom training and treat the king like he's nobody. But the whole scripture on the mantles was to tell the leaders of the future how to secure Jesus' place in every society, in every soul, and in every consciousness. That was our job then. And then what, what did Satan want? I'll tell you what he did. He got rid of the apostles and prophets because they... You know, one thing about uh, humans, you do the right thing wrong, they're going to get bashed to death. I mean, a bat can't even fly by. <laughs> but her statements and her expl- explanations, these explanations are to let you know it's worth fighting for, number one. And I'm going to tell you something about Moses. Moses made Moses was on the Mount of Transfiguration yes. with Elijah. Elijah was the prophet that backed him most of all in history. Moses made it, so you can't say it doesn't work because he made it. Why in the world was Moses in the century that Jesus was in the place? Now that's the question. When they had John Baptist, he was Elijah. Exactly. And then Jesus said, who do men say I am? They said, well, you're, you know, one of the prophets. No. The prophets that bring it to pass make it. And the people were accustomed to the right prophets living forever. Man. Whoa. Hold on. Jesus. That's it. But see, Satan took away your reward, and he made you a good church member. And so you're really nice. I clean the bathrooms. I mow the lawn. I spray the snow. I teach Bible study. I, I, I wear my little deacon repent and carry it on. But our lives change because you are doing your job. Or did Satan change more lives than you? Because my mind is going to change. That's going to happen. And so you have churches who are like, uh, we are the vanguard of the king. They may or may not be shepherded by apostles or prophets, but you can bet they're apostolic and prophetic in nature and in perspective. But you have to understand that these seats, Moses made it, guys. Wow. Even Abraham had to wait for Jesus to come back. But Moses made it. Enoch made it, guys, as a prophet. And he had a horrible era. Yeah, Lord. That is why being a Christian or being God's kid is not for the weak. Is not for the cowardly. And I want you to remember that we had a really good conversation today. You all, we have about six minutes. I will allow two or three questions. Anybody has a question? 
we will definitely answer it right now. Did you enjoy today's show? Got a lot of firepower up in here. Any statements? We had some flatlining things today. (laughs) Talk about we need two defibrillators (laughs) and a nurse on staff for when we flatline (laughs) in an ambulance. We all enjoy it, Facebook. And you too. Yeah. You too. Yeah. Uh, Focus. Yes. Very good. We'd love to hear even more about the two months. We'd love to hear more about that. Yeah. That's about 20 years worth of time. <laughs> <laughs> I got to tell you. Thank you for today's teaching. My question is, um, Dr. Price, you had mentioned that you did develop the concept of epistolic um, prophet because uh, Chief or Apostle Ashley had showed attributes of both an apostle and a prophet. So in particular, what attributes typically make up to qualify one to be an epistolic prophet from either of your training methods? You know, a true apostolic prophet is going to be too much for the prophetic and not enough for the apostolic, but a sure uh, plumb line for God's divine communication and his government. Apostolic prophets tend to be government. Governments are, are and, and legislators, they can be quite uh, good at writing policy and setting order. They can do that. But that spiritual reach and the response from the spirit realm, that's not there. Would you like to answer that? Uh, you know, two I think that, yes. Uh, I, you know, I noticed that most of the apostolic prophets in the, in the scriptures were uh, carried the attributes of both because they were always doing something transitional. They were a part of a transitional uh, change or a significant thing that God was doing. When you think about, you know, Moses being that was a prophet, which really was a type of shadow, laying it down for apostleship, but making up, he was setting up Israel. Okay, so he was the whole nation. John the Baptist was the transition into Jesus Christ. So he was trying to prepare them for this major, you know, cosmic, actually, shift that was about to happen to the world um, at the time that most people outside of knowing the prophecies would have just, you know, missed, which is why the apostles were to say, oh, wait, are you the cosmic shift? Nobody was telling us about this, you know, um, in all in, in those kinds of ways. Uh, same thing with she talked about Silas coming alongside Paul because Paul was the founding apostle for the church. What would be the Gentile Christianity. Yeah. And remember this. Many of these prophets that are being or, uh, commissioned as apostles, they're not. They're not. And the person commissioning them, they really knew the depth and breadth and scope of, of, of an apostle's commission and training as well as trying. God will be a, an apostle. And rest assured, and so a lot of them are not 
um, they are not apostles at all because they have no commission. They're being they're being given a title, but they have no commission. They leave. They have nothing to do, no place to go, and nobody who wants it. Wow. Hey, thank you for joining us today. Thank you for joining us today. Um, and, and let me tell you, a true prophet will not let you uh, elevate them out of their office. I've talked to true prophets. Now, I've, I've seen a competitive one. I've seen rivals. I've seen that. But a true prophet will not do it because God will say, I didn't call you to do it. So-and-so said, yeah, but I didn't call you to do it. And you stay here until I come back and do it. There is like, when, when Jesus elevated those six prophets, it took Jesus to say it was okay. Because in their world, you just didn't, you didn't offer to Right. Hey, see you Sunday at the congregation of the mighty where God stands. Hey, my team. Hey, bless my team. Let, let them know that they blessed you a little bit. You know, send them a, a praise or a testimony or something. Because they, they need to know that we are the future. And I don't care what the past has said, it is finished. All right. God bless you. Thank <laughs> you.